I'm Stacy Mitchell, and you're listening to Something Even Better, a podcast about letting go of old dreams and what's not working so you can make room for something even better, where we explore the many unexpected twists we all go through to find our way to more aligned and meaningful work and lives. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Something Even Better. I am super excited to have a coach friend, client. I mean, she, we, we both went to the same coaching program, not at the same time. Uh, and that's kind of how we know each other. But I'm super excited to have her on the podcast because we were talking about what she does and her story and all the things recently. And I said, hey, like you should come on the podcast. And I'm just glad that she was like, yes. I want to. So please welcome Mandy Steinhardt. She's going to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her business and also about her life and all the fun stuff. Hi, everybody. I'm Mandy Steinhardt, I'm an authenticity and career coach who helps women combat the blahs and overwork through healing women's circles and one-on-one coaching. I also volunteer as a career coach for Dress for Success. And I work full-time for Cisco in marketing analytics. So it seems like I'm a pretty busy lady. (laughs) But it was actually my experience being laid off a bunch of times um, at different corporate jobs and looking for new jobs that led me into coaching and loving helping women sort of translate their dreams into that corporate speak and um, take it to through to success. Uh, And I have a husband and a 12-year-old son, and we're all obsessed with tennis. And I'm also obsessed with pastries and gardening and watching birds. I love it. I also love pastries and also watching birds, which is funny. We just got binoculars because we're going to Yellowstone and they have been life-changing. We've seen like eagles and a baby bald eagle. So yes, I feel you on the like obsessions, but (laughs) digging into your story, um, as you know, we're all about the something even better, which is this philosophy on life, right? So what's not working, letting that go, letting go of old dreams so that you make that room for something even better. So my question to you, what is your something even better? And what did you have to let go of in the process of getting there? Well, my something even better is really being a balanced person who listens to my own voice. Um, Growing up, I had a fabulous role model in my mother. She was a career woman. She was actually in the tech industry as well. Um, And a single mother, someone who's extremely practical and a planner and a scrimper and a saver. Um, And we were really close. But the more I grew up in this Christian environment, the more of myself I felt I had to sort of hide from her and the family where my personality or ideas sort of differed from what was expected there. Um, So I was really... Um, focused on being a good girl growing up. And that didn't really change when I got into career life and married life. So um, I was really trying to be what everyone else wanted me to be. Uh, So it took a long time and a lot of soul searching um, and maybe some catalysts happening in in my life for me to realize that I needed to kind of take time and listen to myself um, and learn how to enjoy the process as well as sort of the destination I'm trying to get to. Yes. And I know we very much connected on the good girl syndrome for lack of better terms. Um, and especially so about sort of the conditioning, conditioning that we get, I think, especially in Christian religious 
you know, environments of women are supposed to be X and this is how you're supposed to behave. So I'm really curious, like with all of the patterns, with all the things that came up for you and sort of learning to listen to yourself, was there a specific turning point where you made this change, where you started to listen to yourself and started to gain that confidence? Yeah, there were two major turning points. Um, There were patterns that were happening in my life that I wasn't really observing at the time were happening, um, where I would kind of give away too much of myself, whether it was at work or in my relationships, um, and just becoming sort of enmeshed and really wanting other people to approve of me. So this kind of validation seeking behavior. Um, So the first major catalyst was the birth of my son and getting postpartum depression when you know, my world turned upside down. I was a good girl. Now I'm a mother. What does that mean? Am I not hot anymore? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Am I just a household, you know, nursing person, wet nurse, I guess. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Where, where do the boundaries need to be laid down? Um, And I think a lot of us go through that process. And then the second catalyst was um, when my mother went into hospice, um, and that time nursing her voluntarily kind of through this transition, um, but losing her was just a really big turning point in my life, somebody that I relied upon so heavily. So I had to learn how to mother myself. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind was like, it's the two major events was like becoming a mother and losing your mother, which, whew, yeah. And learning to mother yourself. And I think the themes of those go back to both, right? You know, like mm-hmm. I have to take care of someone, I have to take care of someone else and I have to take care of myself. And I think taking care of yourself is just incredibly difficult. Tell me about, cause I know this is really important to this story. Tell me about your experience with the women's circle, which we haven't talked about yet in terms of getting through that. Yeah, I think that was huge in my journey. I was actually in this women's circle um, that I sort of stumbled upon this group on Facebook. Um, But I was in this women's circle kind of throughout that time before, during that time period of my mom being in hospice after she passed, and then throughout kind of the first half of COVID happening as well. Um, And that really opened me up to the divine feminine, the healing power of having a diverse group of women around you to just kind of listen and be there. Um, And really that divinity can be feminine, that the word goddess isn't a bad word. And, you know, if God can be male, why couldn't God be female? Um, So it was really a crucial experience for me as someone who was Christian growing up, then ex-Christian, then atheist, and now kind of have has a much broader perspective of what the divine could be. Yeah. So it sounds like an exam, like a deep examining of your beliefs around just all of it (laughs) around the divine period. I'm curious because I think my listeners will be curious too. explain to us what a women's circle is. Like what, what is that? Yeah, I think a women's circle can be conducted a lot of different ways, but it tends to have a couple of key characteristics. One is you form this circle intentionally with other women and you 
essentially make an agreement as to what kind of space you're going to create together. Um, so you agree to certain behaviors as you go into this circle, such as, you know, what's said in the circle stays in the circle. We are going to be intently listening to each other as we go around the circle. Um, we're not going to try to take care of other people's emotions. We're just going to take care of ourselves um, and really spending time together, holding space um, and helping each other heal is really, I think, the essential components. So whether you're studying a book or some particular type of material that the facilitator helps kind of bring around. Um, the key is that everybody gets equal time to speak and be seen and heard. Mm, which I think is super important. I, I don't think this is talked about enough, but I do think at a certain point in your life, as a woman, especially, there becomes a time where it's like, nobody's, this sounds really bad, but nobody's listening to me. Like nobody's really slowing down and really listening to me and holding space for me and letting me like talk about things Unless like you're really lucky and maybe have a group of girlfriends like that, but in many ways, like, where do you find that space? So this is sort of that place to go, um, to get that for yourself, which I love. Um, yeah, I think sometimes people go to book clubs, but then not everyone reads the book and it becomes kind of like a wine group or yeah. a lot of times groups with women can be a little bit of a bitch fest and less of a kind of nurturing healing environment. It could be both. Um, but that's, I think, the difference between this space and more social women's gatherings is that it's intended for healing. And oftentimes we bring in a lot of divine feminine traditions that have worked for thousands of years um, and help teach each other things that maybe history and time have forgotten a little bit. Mm. I'd love to know if you're willing to share. Do you have an example of what one of those might be? Um, well, my mentor, Sherilyn, who was the leader of the women's circle we were in, um, she would do introduce a lot of different healing modalities to us. So one of them, I don't know if you've heard of it is called laughing yoga. Um, and so it's really about sort of forcing yourself to laugh together. So it's kind of a synchronized laughing and clapping. Um, and you can't help, but just naturally laugh and the energy in the room is just completely infectious when a bunch of these women are just goofily laughing and clapping together. Um, so it's anything from that to healing meditations to kind of shamanistic things where we go out into the woods and find a nature ally that speaks to us in sort of a meditative walk. Um, so many different types of practices that we share. I love it. And I immediately started to sort of grin with the laughing yoga and we're not, we're not even doing it. Just the idea of <laughs> and anyone that knows me knows I love to laugh. So I'm like, Oh, that's, I would totally get the giggles during that. And that sounds like a blast. <laughs> we'll have to share a link uh, to an example of it for everybody. I love it. Out. Yes. I love that. Uh, I, I mean, just give me an opportunity to laugh and I'm definitely going to do it. So thank you for those. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. And I know other people will be like, Ooh, tell me more. So super great to sort of get that behind the scenes, um, of what, what those might be. Um, when you got into this women's group and when you started to examine, when did you really come to the place where you're like, huh, like I'm starting to see that there's this different way, this different approach to life and I'm ready to pursue it. If that makes sense. 
Um, I think for me, the women's circle was really an incubator of that um, because the book that we worked through together, which was Women Who Dance With Wolves by Clarissa Estes, um, it goes through kind of a series of chapters, each with a fairy tale um, about, you know, a part, an experience that a woman goes through at a particular time in her life. Um, and each one kind of reigns true for these different phases that we go through from the awakening of innocence to being betrayed um, to getting older. Um, so just like all these different aspects of our lives that we encounter. So we progressed through these, but I think for me, it was just a gradual process of understanding that I can, you know, with practice and effort really be there for myself. Um, and the part that I love about it too, is how we were able to be there for each other as this group of women who didn't know each other prior to coming into this process together. Yeah. And it sounds like I, I would imagine that you come, you walk away with really deep relationships because you are very intentionally examining things that are deep, right? Yes, I absolutely. I love that. I'm curious to you, because this is a question I always ask, um, and I always like to ask it on every, well, as many podcast episodes as I can. Um, what would you say that most people get wrong about creating their most meaningful lives and or work, since I know you do some career coaching as well? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I'm curious if other people have the same answer too. Um, what I'm seeing and maybe it's just uncolored by my own experience is that we spend a lot of time trying to achieve things that we don't really want. So if we would spend some time to separate ourselves from media, social media, and sort of all these outside forces in society that are telling us like, oh, you should be getting to six figures. You should be doing this. You got to achieve this by a certain time. Um, then we would realize that we never wanted all those things that we feel bad about not having at this point. Um, and then the other pieces, we tend to get attached to one specific outcome. So we had a dream. We said, my dream looks exactly like this. This is what I'm going to accomplish at this specific time. And the universe doesn't seem to work that way. Maybe it likes to play tricks on us, but part of those tricks is sort of, reminding us to stay open to the many different possibilities of the ways that that dream can come true. Yes. I mean, you know that I <laughs> heartily agree with both of those things. Um, and in fact, I've seen it in my own life in the sense of getting too attached to like, this is exactly how it's supposed to look. And then, you know, as you're saying, the universe is like, ha, not so fast. I actually have a much better plan for you if you're just open to it, which can be difficult. But also it's that still happening to me last week, I still got overly attached to something happening at work. So it's so know. hard. Oh, still I do learning. all the time. <laughs> and then I'll say to myself, is this life or death? Is this like a really big thing? And then I'm like, no, it's not. This is a small, tiny little project I will forget about in probably three months and never think about again. And yet here I am totally stressed out and attached to the outcome, but it is funny. Yeah. I mean, we're all just human and I think it's, it's natural to do that, but I also think it's human nature as well, as you were saying to think we want something because everybody else wants it, or it feels like everybody else has it, or 
you know, it's just valued in our culture. So I'm just going to give you a really funny example. We are, we, we are, we need to replace our couch. And I've been looking at couches, been researching couches. I got very upset maybe a week ago when my husband was like, what if we don't get a couch? Like, what if we go furniture free? And I was like, excuse me, what? And I was all mad. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you attack my sofa? <laughs> he was literally just throwing out ideas. He was just like, let's just think about it. Let's just, you know, and, you know, for the health reasons of it too, because back health and blah, blah, blah. But I looked into it more and then I calmed down. But it's just funny how like you become so like you cannot live without a couch and we would be weirdos not to have a couch. <laughs> like I can't even conceive of a world where there's no couch here in this space. Exactly. <laughs> just, just so silly. But I had to give that up because, yeah, that's a recent one. But we do. We tend to get attached um, both to our career, our lives, like things we want all the things, right? There's so many different ways we can attach to that. So yeah. Friendships, friendships. Yes. Relationships. We would even say like sometimes family members, right? Like this family has to look this very specific way. And if it doesn't, there's, there's a problem and yeah. And then we're all just unhappy because you you can't control all these things, which is really, really difficult. Um, For you, so you have been really interesting, like you were saying before, like you stay pretty busy because you have a job and you're coaching and, you know, all the things you have a busy life. Um, how did you get to this sort of place in this balance and feeling content, right? So having these different aspects of your life. Um, I think starting a daily meditation practice has been sort of the foundation of achieving that balance. Um, I wouldn't say I you know, have a 300 day streak or anything, I still falter. Um, But I think it's just like anything that requires practice, self-care and balance habits and practices require practice as well. Um, And that dedication to giving myself the space to be alone um, and to kind of let the thoughts out until there's some clarity has really helped me. I'm also a very indecisive person as a result of being, you know, codependent or good girl syndrome or whatever this, this way that I grew up. Um, And that has, has taught me a lot too, how to listen to my intuition and just sort of sit still, ask myself a question when my gut answers actually listen to it. Um, And that gives me a lot more peace when I'm moving forward, especially on more important decisions. That's really helpful. And I know this question comes up for, for folks. So I'd love for you to spend some time thinking about it and answering it. Cause it might take you a minute. How do you discern? Like, how do you know it's your gut? Because that's a question I've gotten with intuition. Like, how do you know it's your gut? Part of it is paying close attention to where you feel the feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a yes, for example, and it's accompanied by kind of a warm feeling in your heart um, versus dread in the pit of your stomach, that really helps you hone in on it. Yeah, you're going to have butterflies if you're saying yes to something that's scary, but that's different from kind of a feeling of dread or a sort of a red flag type feeling that you might have. Um, And again, it's kind of practice. So you can practice asking yourself, how you feel about smaller decisions 
and then paying attention to how that decision worked out. Um, but one thing I'm still working on now is being faster at making decisions because the most painful part is this indecision and questioning yourself and drawing out the decision longer and longer and longer. And the longer you draw it out, the less you're going to trust yourself even after you make that decision. That is a really good point. And something I always like to say for career coaching or business coaching clients for that matter was like, no decision is a decision, right? But it's so hard to wrap our heads around that. (laughs) But yeah, you get like sort of stuck in the tangle of like, there's got to be, I also think there's some perfectionism in there too. Like there's got to be this perfect right decision when you just need to follow like the tiny little, like you were talking, like the tiny little signs in your body which again, I think goes back to that meditation and sort of sitting with yourself as you were talking about, because uh, if you never allow for that time to do that, you may not have any perceptions of what's going on in your body. So all really powerful. Yeah. And if you, some people just can't do meditation, it's just not right for them. You can do journaling, you can go out and spend time in nature and just kind of absorb the calm feeling of the trees and let the earth take your worries away. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, But something you said made me think about this thing that stuck with me when I was trying to heal myself of codependency. And when I say that, believe that that wasn't without therapy and (laughs) professional help. So yes, I was a self-help book addict, but one of the books that helped me get through kind of what I needed to learn to deal with codependency was this DBT workbook. Um, And so they have a lot of different phrases that help you accept your current situation, which is really important when you're trying not to overly control everything. Um, And one of the statements that really meant a lot to me was, you know, the situation I'm in now is the result of millions of different decisions I've made up to this point. Mm. Um, So I, you know, you can have acceptance to the place that you're at right now. Um, That doesn't mean that the place you're at right now is going to be your permanent condition. It's just, you know, accept the part that you played to get you where you are and then kind of make changes if necessary and just continue moving forward. I like that too, because you still have millions of decisions in front of you. I mean, if you're Mm -hmm. lucky, exactly, Uh, you still have millions of decisions in front of you, which means it's sort of, I don't know why, I can't even think of what this is called, but it's sort of like a, that little game with like the ball that goes through like all the different mazes. And it's like, <laughs> I like don't know if knows what I'm talking about. Where you Sorry. tilt it? Yes, where you tilt it. Yes. And it's sort of like, you're just making decisions in your life and mm-hmm. tilting the, the, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> little game around. And wherever the ball goes, like you're just, you're sort of guiding it. And that's just, that's kind of our lives in many ways. We just Mm-hmm. don't tend to see like we can completely end up in a new place. We just have to make really small decisions all the way there, but we you tend still to get in a dead end and, you know, just back your way yeah. out. And yeah. You start just over. roll the other way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many different options, I guess, but I do think as we tend to like, get older, we tend to see less options and that's not actually the case. I, I love that you're talking about decision-making too especially in relation to the good girl and codependency, because I mean, I personally have have felt that in my own life as well. It's like, what do you want to do today? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm supposed to come up with this answer. Where do you want to eat lunch? Huh? I I have to answer. 
Uh, and I know those are like really small questions, but when you're trained your whole life, not to really like, just to sort of go with whatever, but anybody else says, it's like, right. I'll go wherever everyone else wants to go until they tell me where they want to go. And then I say, well, they don't have good food. No, 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 no. We got to rethink this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then unfortunately, I think what can happen is you tend to fall into like the passive aggressiveness, right? Because it's like, I didn't ever say what I want. I'm really, really angry that I'm not getting what I want, which is like, what? Yes. And that's the other point about that statement about where I am as a result of a million different decisions is that you can't have a victim mindset and move forward in a healthy way. And that victim mindset of, you know, oh, these, you know, these people made me do this or I'm the martyr of the household. You know, I'm always doing everything for everyone else. That's an intentional choice that you made. Um, maybe you weren't awake, so to speak, at that point, but you did make a decision. You got to this place. Um, so you have to kind of own that piece before you can kind of break out of those old patterns. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of that I, I created this pattern mm-hmm. and now I have the power to change the pattern, even though, yes, like anytime you disrupt a pattern, it is hard, of course, but like, if you know, you created it, you know, you can also disrupt it, which is, I think, really powerful. Yeah. Sure. I'm curious for you, when it comes to this journey of kind of breaking out of this good girl codependent role, what was the hardest part for you? It took a lot of work to give up the good girl identity. Um, and it was very stressful not knowing once I established new boundaries, if people that I loved would accept them. Um, As someone who has experienced, um, you know, abandonment or betrayal in the past, Mm -hmm. you, you become like paranoid, you know, if if I don't do everything people say they're, they're going to leave me or whatever it is, you know, that's the extreme example. Um, I didn't know if I could also stick to the boundaries that I thought I needed to have in my life. So it takes a lot of practice to change. Um, still practicing now, but um, nobody, nobody deserted me. <laughs> People respect you when you um, start to stick to boundaries um, yeah. and hold fast on them. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you felt this way, but sometimes I'm surprised by how much more respect I get, like how much more people are just like, Oh, like <laughs> whenever you're like, this is, this is what it's going to be. This is how I'll respond. This is, and the clarity is actually really, really nice and kind to give to someone versus as we were sort of talking about that passive aggressive, like I'm going to get really mad, but you had no idea that I had these expectations or these boundaries in place. Right. And it's not like the only two choices are passive aggression or aggression. No. You know? yeah. So yeah. that's the other piece too, is growing up as someone who d- doesn't have experience politely setting a boundary that's something you can practice as well um because we often feel like when you're first doing it that you need to have an excuse to say no and you really don't you can also just say no politely and put a period at the end of the sentence and end there um so yeah one of my favorite things is like you can just say no just no It's it's I think it's a great thing to practice as well. Like start with something really small and somebody's like, hey, can you take whatever? You know, and no. And then make yourself like be quiet. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like the most so painful, funny. you know, 30 seconds. But it you is. get through it. No. Yeah. Your insides are like, I really want to give an excuse for why I can't do this. Yeah. 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 When it came to setting those boundaries, do you have any advice for, for people who might be in that same situation, wanting to set some boundaries, sort of practice doing that? Yeah, I would say spend some time journaling or thinking about what are those boundaries you need to set in your life um, and think about the times that the, the situation comes up. So sometimes you just have more trouble with your boundaries during certain situations or when you're overly stressed. But if you pre-identify the times when and situations you're going to need to have, um, you're going to need to enforce a boundary, then you can also think about the language that you're going to use to do that and then just practice that. But I think really even just understanding when it's going to happen um, takes away a lot of the pressure. Yeah. Sort of preparing yourself, preparing yourself. And as you were saying, preparing the language so that when it does happen, you're not taken off guard this in place. I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. And I'm with you on the practice piece. Um, cause I know like I used to do a lot of interview coaching cause I used to work for universities and it's like, practice your answers out loud. And I would say the same things with like practicing your boundaries out loud. So what are you going to say when they you know, when your mother-in-law says, I'm going to, whatever, <laughs> like, what are you going to say in response? Say it out loud several times, get really comfortable with it. I like that. Yeah. And that, in, and in that situation, hopefully you have an ally in your husband that you're both going to have united front. I mean, those are particularly tense situations or can be right mm-hmm. with in-laws. So at least you then have the same language together <laughs> about what that boundary is. No, we can't have any, you know, we can't have you stay here for more than five days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got other things going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I would love to know, what would you say to someone who is really struggling right now? And this can be in regards to their career, but also in regards to maybe somebody who has grown up with this good girl codependent um, upbringing and environment. First, uh, you are a divinely beloved being. We each are. Um, We're here to challenge each other at times, which makes it a lot of fun. It's a process of learning. Um, But for me, every time I help another person, I feel more like the person I want to become, that I want to be, and also more aware of what I can be grateful for. So hopefully that helps you. Um, And for folks who are going through a particularly difficult time, I think that one piece of wisdom um, that I've learned from the women's circle is allowing yourself to feel the depth of that experience, the emotions from the experience, the grief, whatever it is, um, allows you to just process that and get through it. If you need, you know, therapy, professional resources, medication, of course, do that as well. I'm not saying you need to do it all on your own. Um, But going along with that, if you can find a community of women or create a group of women to help support each other to get through things like this, um, that'll be a huge help. I was in the women's circle through COVID, which was just a huge thing. 
Um, but I also was in an employee resource organization at Cisco. I still am. Um, but we were there for each other during COVID from a work perspective. So we would get together to put meetings together um, to help teach girls in STEM or help teach women professional skills. But during, you know, many different months of COVID, we would just get together and just say, all right, how are you? Like, no, really. Are you doing okay? Like, are you getting through this? And being able to have that safe space with other women where you can really just say it and, and no more, I'm fine. Um, that can make all the difference. Yeah, it's that saying, it's it's saying not what you, you know, you think other people want to hear, but what you actually need to say. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit later about a women's group. You can tell them all about it in a minute. So, so I'm like, create or find, there's going to be an opportunity at the end of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but I'm curious, like when it comes to your something even better and really finding this new way of living, let's be real, like what's been the best part of it for you? For me, finding the luxury of being able to be more often at ease in my life. Um, Sherilyn used to say to us, may you be at ease. And I think that's just kind of the perfect word for it. When you're in full acceptance of where you're at and just being present. So I'm able to have a few more precious moments of awe in my day-to-day life, um, and also just learning to mother myself a little bit more each day um, has been really good. All of that. Um, I'm curious, because I don't think we've dug really, really deep into this, um, but I would love to know, because I, I think some people are probably like, well, if I'm codependent, and I don't know if I fit the good girl kind of definition, do you have some sort of key, this is typically what's going on whenever you fit into this, this sort of category, category is a weird way of saying it. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the number one things is just really having a very hard time saying no to people feeling Mm -hmm. like you're really stressed out because you're overworked all the time, whether it's at home with your family at work, all of the above. Um, Having trouble understanding what it is that you even want, whether it's something small or having sort of forgotten what your dreams were in life, you feel like you're just sort of revolving around other people and you don't have kind of hobbies or interests of your own. I would say those are some of the biggest warning signs. Yeah. For some reason, the thing that popped into my brain was like, you're sort of just like a robot, like you're doing what you got to do. You're, you're mm-hmm. sort of like your Roomba. <laughs> your Roomba yeah, just, just like always vacuums. feeling like you've got to be picking up after everybody else. And that's yeah. an element of it too, that desire to control other people. So if you're always trying to change your spouse or other people around you, if only they would do X, Y, Z, then I would be happy. Um, you know, that's, that's a prescription for insanity for yourself because you don't have any control over that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you mind sharing what privileges you have had in your life to allow you to come to these realizations and to make these shifts for yourself? Yeah, definitely. So I've been really lucky, even though my mom was a single mom, she paid for my college, which really enabled me to get my start. And I have an amazing full-time job that gives me a lot of flexibility, you know, and how I get my work done, that I'm able to work remotely and participate and develop myself in a lot of these different areas. Um, I think for me, what's really important is my volunteer work constantly helps me remember kind of those blessings that I have um, and how I need to continue to use them to help lift other people up. Yes, I love that. And you think that gratitude piece and just being able to say like, actually, I have so much and I have these privileges, I think can be really, really powerful for people as well. So thank you. Thank you for sharing those. Um, tell us what's next for you. Well, I've got a women's circle, my next one that's starting in May, just after spring break. So we'll be meeting every other Wednesday night for three months. Um, and it's a chance for women new to circles to really get a chance to experience how healing um, the support of a group of women can be, or a circle of sisters. Um, as women, we've always been the healers, you know, from before patriarchy, okay? <laughs> we've been the creators and the destroyers. There's a lot of powerful goddesses out there that you probably haven't heard about. Um, but it's time we identify with these powerful components and not just identifying ourselves as, you know, the subservient woman or the good girl. So let's break out of that mold and uh, take our power back together. Let's conspire together. Ooh, I like that. Let's conspire. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's really exciting. Where, um, is there a website that is best for you? I'll link it in the show notes as well. How can people sign up? Um, how does it work? Yep. So you can go to mandysteinhart.com. That's my website. It's got my blog posts as well as um, event information. So you can sign up for my newsletter there as well. But yep, that's where you can find tickets to the next circle. Lovely. And I do want to say, I'm not going to give the the investment, but it is so low for what you're getting. Like it is just, it's going to be amazing. So I know sometimes people will be like, oh, I can't, like you immediately cut yourself out. Like I can't afford it. Go look at the website because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I could be a part of this. This would be great. So please, please check it out. Now I have to ask one of my favorite questions. If you had to choose a favorite book to recommend to readers, what would it be and why? Mm, that would definitely be The Women Who Run With Wolves. Um, and we definitely need to link to that one. So it's very long. However, I would say you can tackle it just essentially just one chapter at a time. doesn't have to be in order. Each chapter, she tells a story um, of a different woman from a different um, heritage. So an Eskimo native story, a story of um, Bluebeard and the story of the girl with the red shoes, all different kinds of stories. And then really delves deeply into, you know, what that means about this different transition in our lives um, and about how important it is to get in touch with our wild selves and break out of these roles that we've been told to follow. So it's an amazing read. 
You know, I have heard about this book for so long and I haven't read it. And I think it's because it's so long. And now I'm thinking to myself, buy the, because I, I usually read my book, books on Kindle. My immediate response is like, I need to just buy the physical book because then I could read a chapter and like, it would be fine. <laughs> so thank you for that recommendation. That actually helps me with like, okay, yes, I can do this. I will link to that in the show notes for everyone who is interested. So you can very easily find it. And thank you. Just thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Anything else, anywhere else they might want to find you, anything else you want to say before, before we're done today? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get um, this new crop of ladies together for our next circle. Um, So let's see what we can cook up together. I'm excited to go conspire together. It's going to be a beautiful experience. And thank you again, Mandy, for for coming on. And I will link to all the different ways you connect with Mandy in the show notes. Thanks so much. If you love this podcast, why not share it with your friends, your family, your favorite social media profile, literally everyone you know. (laughs) And take a minute to give me a review wherever you listen. I love reading the reviews and sharing is always caring.